You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello, greetings and welcome in. I'm Kenny Ortiz coming at you from Orlando, Florida. This is Theology for the Rest of Us. This is the podcast devoted to answering tough questions about the Bible and theology. And there is no doubt that the question I'm going to answer today has been labeled a tough question. Uh, there are many people out there that, that have said this is a tough one to answer, so I'm excited to do that. This is episode 174, and I'm going to be answering the question, should women be allowed to be pastors? Uh, I've been asked this many times. Typically, I'm asked, you know, what is your opinion of women in leadership? Or what is your opinion in, you know, opinion of women in ministry? Or should women be allowed to preach on a Sunday morning? I've been asked the, this these sorts of questions, oh, I don't know how many times. I, not exaggerating. I've probably asked this hundreds of times oh, you know, over the last 10, 12, 13 years of my life or so. This is no doubt one of the most uh, most emailed questions in. When people email questions into the podcast, um, this is one that's come up several times. And on a regular basis, I, I keep responding to people saying, don't worry, I promise I'll get to it. I promise. So finally, the time has come. Uh, we're going to get to it here. Uh, this topic has been, has been kind of uh, become sort of controversial in, in many church circles over the last, you know, I'd say over the last 100 years or 150 years or so. Uh, before that time, this was not a a very controversial topic at all, but it has become a controversial topic, and and as I you know mentioned a moment ago, it is uh, frequently asked about, and so I think it deserves a quality response, and that's what that's what we're going to do here in this episode. Hey, before we uh, get to the topic at hand, a few quick bits of business. Remind everyone the importance of being subscribed. I know many of you, many of you are already subscribed. Thank you very much. But if you're not subscribed, maybe you're listening to this uh, on our website or you're streaming it in some other fashion and you're not subscribed, I want to highly encourage you to head on over and subscribe. You can head over to our website. Uh, if you're already there, obviously you can hit any one of those subscription buttons. There's a variety of uh, buttons on the website. It makes it easy to subscribe. Click on that. That'll make it easy. Or you can look us up on iTunes or or any podcast catching app you're familiar with. You can find us on pretty much all of them. Hit that subscribe button. It'll make sure every episode gets delivered directly to you as soon as the episode goes live. Uh, one other item related to that is the importance of reviews. Uh, I know many of you are already familiar with this. Uh, if you're not, reviews are a big, big deal. In essence, the more good reviews we get, the more people will find the podcast. Good reviews push, up, push us up the search ranking. So if you do me a huge favor, head on over to whatever podcast directory you're familiar with. Leave a great review. In particular, if you are an iTunes user or, or if you're you know, look, listening to this uh, in the podcast app on your Apple device, head on over leave a five-star rating, leave a great review, tell the world you love the podcast. Those are a big, big help. will help us reach more people. Thank you in advance. Hey, one other quick item before we get to the content. I want to let you know that I have another podcast. It's called the Student Ministry Podcast, and it's really devoted to be a source of inspiration and resources for any person working in youth ministry or student ministry. So if you work with college students, high school students, middle school students uh, in any capacity, I want to encourage you to check that out. Uh, or maybe if you know someone that's working in youth ministry, student ministry, maybe why don't you tell them about it. Tell them, hey, I know this guy, Kenny. He has a great podcast on theology. Check out his student ministry podcast. Right? If, you could, if you could tell some friends about that. That would be great. The easiest way to find that podcast is on the web. It's studentministrypodcast.com. All right, let's get to the topic at hand. Let's talk about women in ministry. Now, if you've been tracking with me over the last few episodes, you know that in episode 171, 
uh, I answered the question, what is complementarianism? If you're not listening to that one, I highly encourage you go back and, and listen to that. In fact, uh, that one actually would be really important to listen to before you listen to this one in, in a lot of ways because it really lays the groundwork for understanding God's roles and design for the genders. Um, but if you haven't listened to that and or you don't want to, that's fine. I'll give you the, the quick version of it uh, here. Basically, complementarianism is the idea that God created the genders distinct and unique from one another to serve uh, or to work together in a complementary way, that, that the, the genders are designed differently, right? It is not uh, just anatomic or uh, or biological, but there are unique differences between the genders that, that the genders are designed to work together and to complement one another uh, in a very specific way and that we are created to live that out and to delight in God's design. Ba- you know, basically, complementarianism is the idea that men and women are equal in value but different in their roles. And therefore, they should not be doing the exact same things. They should be doing things that are different within their design and that when they work together, they work perfectly together, like two puzzle pieces that go together, right? Uh, they, they work together. They complement one another. That is complementarianism. In episode 173, I answered the question, what is egalitarianism, which in a lot of ways is the opposite of of complementarianism, they're not exactly opposite, but but for you know for the purposes of this conversation, they end up being on opposite sides of the spectrum. Uh, egalitarianism is the idea that men and women, uh, that the genders are are perfectly equal in every single way, both in value and role. That there is no distinction uh, between the genders per se, and that men and women should not be assigned roles based upon their gender but only should be assigned roles based on their individual skill sets, their individual personality. Right? The complementarian says that all men are designed to do this sort of things. All women are designed to do these sorts of things. They work together. The complementarian view recognizes that many men and women within the genders are different. Not all men are the same. They have different skill sets, different personalities, and therefore within their gender roles, they're going to be very different in how that fleshes out, and the same will be for women. But ultimately, there are specific things that men are called to do, specific things that women are called to do, and that they work together. The egalitarian says, no, 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 scrap that completely. Men and women should all be in kind of in one bucket or one category, and when they are assigned roles within leadership or within ministry or within, uh, or when they are assigned roles within their family units and their households, it should only be based upon the unique skill set or personality of the individual people, not based on their roles. Complementarianism says that uh, men and women are distinct and unique from one another, but equal in value. Egalitarians say men and women are equal in every single way, both value uh, and and design, and therefore gender should not play a part when we are determining positions and roles. So that's episode 171, 173. You can go back and listen to that. And in between those two episodes, in episode 172, I had a chance to interview author, blogger, speaker, uh, Courtney Rysick. It was a fantastic interview. Uh, right, uh, Courtney is a complementarian like myself, and she... Uh, really gives a, I thought, a biblical worldview. She gave, she gave a great female perspective. So some listening to this would like kind of a female perspective on complementarianism, but she did that really well. She also has a book out called The Accidental Feminist, where she really talks about how fem- feminism and the modern feminist movement has kind of creeped into the minds of a lot of churches and a lot of Christians without them realizing it. She really addresses that and how we really need to allow the scripture to govern and inform our philosophies and our ideology uh, rather than modern contemporary 
contemporary movements. Really great interview, great book. I highly, highly encourage you to check that out, episode 172, my interview with Courtney uh, Reisig. And so those are the three episodes I've been doing over the last you know, over the last few days. I think those obviously are related to the topic we're going to answer here. I would encourage you to go back and listen to all of those at some point, particularly if you're wrestling through this, if you're wrestling through kind of what do you believe, theologically speaking, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those. I hope those would be helpful for you. Um, so let me, let's answer the question, you know, what do I think about women in leadership? You know, what do I believe that, uh, you know, should I believe, should I believe that women, or what do I think about women in ministry? Now, when you're tackling this topic, there are actually two different questions often arise, and I think people mix them up, and that's part of the reason why there's so much confusion and controversy. The first question is, should women be allowed to hold the office of elder, right? the, the elder pastor role. And I use the word elder and pastor synonymously because the Bible uses them synonymously and interchangeably. Uh, should women be allowed to be in the position of pastor? Should they be allowed to hold the job or the role, the position of elder pastor? And that's the question I'm going to answer here in this episode. The second question that often arises is whether or not women are allowed to speak or preach or teach within the church context at all. And I think that is a different question that I believe has a different answer than the first. Um, I promise I will answer that second question in a future episode later this week. Uh, again, I don't want to confuse into, uh, give you a quick little teaser. Uh, I do believe there are some moments where it's appropriate to have women preaching and teaching and speaking uh, within the church context. And again, I will cover that thoroughly in that future episode when I answer that second question. But for this episode, I'm going to focus specifically on whether or not women should be allowed to hold the role of elder pastor. And again, I use the term elder and pastor synonymously and interchangeably because the, the scripture uses those terms synonymously and, uh, and, and interchangeably. The elder and shepherd, the elder or pastor role is the primary shepherd leader of the church. Now, I know a lot of churches have this distinction between an elder board and the pastors, and they're separate. Um, with all love and respect to anyone who attends a church like that, I think that is not the ideal biblical design for a church. That'll be a, that'll be a topic for a future episode, I promise. We'll, co we'll cover that in future episodes, um, you know, the topic of ecclesiology, which is kind of how churches are structured. We'll, we'll cover that in the future. But uh, for this episode, I just want to say, you know, yeah, I, I believe that pastors and elders basically the same thing, and they ought to function the same way. Basically, who, who is the person who is the primary leader of the church, specifically the primary shepherds. Um, also, there should be a plurality. It should not just be a one-man show. There should be a group of, of pastor elders functioning together to oversee the church, to shepherd the church, to make sure that the church is spiritually being fed and spiritually being taken care of. That is the primary responsibility. Some of the other responsibilities of that group of leaders, those pastor elders, that group, they are to collaboratively work together to set the vision of the church. Here's here where where we as a church are going. Here's what we are going to be doing. Here is how we're going to fulfill the ministry that God has called us to fulfill. Here is how we are going to serve the community in which we live. That is what the that's their primary responsibility or one of their responsibilities. The other things they're supposed to do is to determine the doctrines. Okay, here's what we believe to be true. Here's what we know to be true. Here is the doctrine that we stand on that we believe, and they ought to guard the doctrine. So it is the responsibility of the, elder, the, the elders and the pastors, the responsibility of those leaders, those shepherds to guard the flock from bad doctrine. All right. That's, that's really, really important. And one of the other responsibilities of uh, this particular group of leaders is authoritative teaching to get up in front of the church 
and to authoritatively teach and say, this is what is true. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what God is calling us to be and to speak in an authoritative fashion, right? Not authoritarian, like being oppressive. That's not what I mean, but speaking with clarity and boldness, uh, you know, boldly standing up and saying, this is what we believe is true. Here's what we, you know, here are our convictions as a church. So the, the pastor elders, that group of leaders are to work together collaboratively as they hold each other accountable. They're to work collaboratively to be the primary leaders of the local congregation. They set forth the vision of the church and how the church fulfills their ministry, how the church serves. Um, they, they set forth the vision. They determine what that church stands for, what their theological convictions are, what their doctrinal convictions are, and then they get up in front of the church and they do the authoritative teaching. That particular office, that particular role, as I look in scripture, I believe God has reserved that role for men. Now, I know I just offended a bunch of people listening to this. Just stick with me. So I'd encourage you, listen to this episode all the way through. Listen to what I have to say. If you don't like it at the end, feel free to send me hate mail. I'm totally cool with that. Or troll me on Twitter. That's cool too. Um, but really, I, I, like, I know I just offended a bunch of people. My goal is not to offend. That's not my desire. I don't wake up in the morning saying, Who, how can I offend people today? No, my goal is to be faithful to the text. And I believe the Bible tells us that God has called men to step up into this role. Now, this isn't to say that women shouldn't have leadership roles in the church. Not at all. Women absolutely should have leadership roles within the church. Women should have lots of influence within the church, right? When we say that the elders should be male only, we are not saying that the leaders should be male only because because there are going to be more leaders than just the elders. Now, there's a variety of other ways where women are going to have influence. Uh, most of the elders are going to be married, and so they're going to have wives that influence them, and they should. Men and women should be having collaborative conversations uh, together. Men and women should be influencing one another, challenging one another, sharpening one another. So the male elders of a church, the, the, the pastors that are leading and shepherding a church, will be influenced by their wives, and they should be. Their wives should play a role in shaping those men in a variety of ways, which will ultimately end up shaping the church to, to some extent, or in a lot of cases, to a large extent, uh, right? And, and that's appropriate for men and women to have those dialogues. There ought to be collaboration there. And there are a variety of things within the church that that are not necessarily just for elders, right? If, if the elders are doing everything, that is a flawed way of leading a church. The elders should be male only, as we'll, as we'll dive into the scriptures in a moment. However, the church should be led not just by elders, right? There should be a, a large group of people that are highly involved, which would mean that there are going to be women involved in different influential leadership roles. That's very, very important to remember. When I say that the office of elder is reserved for men, because I think the scripture points to that, and again, we'll dive into the scripture in just a moment, um, I'm not saying that women should have no influence in the church. Quite the opposite. Women should have profound influence. Women should have a voice. Women should be influential. Women should be listened to. Women have a perspective that men don't have. Women have giftings that men don't have. Women have skills and the ability to do things that men don't have or can't do as well as women. Therefore, the men should be inviting the women into a variety of places. And when male leadership is living out the way it's supposed to, the women will flourish within the local church context and within the household. And again, I talked about that quite a bit back in episode 171. Now, I also want to say 
This is not meant to be oppressive. I think there's a lot of times where, where I've had conversations with women, particularly women who are really gifted, women who maybe have strong leadership skills, women who are, are, are you know have great public speaking skills, women that feel like they've got the skill set to do the job. And I don't doubt that there's a lot of women that probably could do the job. They probably have the, the, the requisite skills to step in and do it. Um, and I, I've, I've had conversations with women who feel that way and then feel like, well, you're oppressing me. You, you're telling me that I can't do something. And it's not designed to be oppressive. Let me give you a, let me give a metaphor. Um, I, I don't think that God is seeking to oppress, but he's, he is seeking to call upon. So the metaphor is if I walk into a restaurant and I order a pork sandwich, um, I'm not oppressing the chicken. Okay, like if I walk into the menu and I see that I've got steak sandwich, a chicken sandwich, a pork sandwich, and I say, my desire, my preference in this moment is for the pork sandwich. Now, I'm not pressing the steak or the chicken. I'm simply declaring what my preference is. Now, I recognize this is a silly metaphor. I recognize it's, 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 it is wholly, wholly uh, inadequate. Okay, I, I recognize that. But it's the best metaphor I can come up with. So I apologize. That's the best thing I can come up with. Um, but when, when men looks at the gender, or excuse me, when God looks at the gender and God says, I prefer for men to rise up. He is not saying that women can't do this. He's not saying that I'm oppressing women. What, what God is saying is in this moment, in the church age, my preference is to call upon men to rise up and to fulfill this role. This is God's preference. This is God's moral inclination. And when God created the genders, he created them with specific things in their design which would cause the genders to flourish when they fulfill this role. So when men step up and men are men and men are leaders and men do what they're supposed to do, they rise up within the church. Well, the church overall will flourish. The men will flourish and the women will flourish. I talked about this quite a bit in Compentarianism back in episode 171, right? Women flourish most when the male leadership in their life are living out the leadership God has called men to live. When when men rise to the occasion, both men and women flourish. This is the case also in the home. When a man doesn't step up, both genders will suffer. But when the man steps up, when he is the leader of the household, the spiritual shepherd of the home that God has called him to be, when the husband does that, both genders will flourish and the household as a whole will flourish. It is God's preference and it is God's design. It's quite a bit what Courtney Rysick talks about in her book, really the idea that God has designed men and women to function a certain way and that when they function in line with that design, they they end up flourishing within their own skill sets. Now, the question comes up, why why did God create it this way? And I don't know for sure why God did. Um, I think it is clear in Scripture that the role of an elder is for men only, but God God doesn't tell us in Scripture why he designed it that way. I, I don't know why. I, when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. Um, we can speculate as to why God did that, but I think, again, it's just conjecture, just speculation. So I'd rather not. I, I did ask Courtney that in the interview in episode 170, uh, 172, asked her, you know, why do you think God did this? And she said the same thing. I think it's just, we, we would be speculating uh, in a way that's not substantive if we, you know, if we, if we try to come up with, you know, with random reasons, it would just be conjecture. So we don't know the reason why God did this this way. We don't, but, but we do know that he did do this. Now, again, like I said earlier, there are some women who would seem to have the requisite skill set to step in and do the job of elder pastor. There are some women that would seem that they seem, they seem that would have the Certainly, there's a lot of women I've met that would say, 
could, you could be the CEO of a company and those skills could translate to the church in a lot of ways. And there are lots of women I've met that are, that are great nurturers and shepherds of, of, of the other within their families or within different contexts of their life. And I would say that would translate. Well, there are lots of women I've met that are, you know, great public speakers and great teachers and say, well, that would translate. Like there are lots of women that I would meet that would say you felt you would fit the role. And side note, there are lots of men that I meet that would not fit the role, right? Like just because you're a man doesn't make you qualified to be an elder pastor. That's not the case, right? There are lots of men that I would say you don't have the requisite skill set to be the visionary shepherd leader that God would call you to be. You don't have the requisite skill set uh, to to do effective biblical, uh, you know, b- biblically faith, faithful, uh, authoritative teaching to the church. Like, you know, like that's yeah, all of that is true. Like, like just because someone's a man doesn't mean he's qualified uh, necessarily, but it is one of the things that God has reserved for that role. Uh, let me give you another silly metaphor. And again, I recognize the metaphor is wholly inadequate. Okay. But I can't come up with another one. If someone out there comes, comes up with a better metaphor. Please feel free to shoot me an email. Hey, Ortiz at theology for the rest of us.com. I, I need help sometimes with some of my metaphors. Um, the, the metaphor I come up with sometimes is a ladder versus a chair. Now, many of us oftentimes will use a chair to stand up, to reach up and do something, right? And the chair, in many cases, can do the job. It can function. It can do the job. And in fact, there are some times where you have a chair that is actually better than a ladder. There are moments you would say, that chair seemingly held me up better than some of the weak, crummy ladders I've been on, right? But just because that some ladders are crummy and some ladders are not strong enough to hold you up doesn't mean the chair is the ideal scenario, right? So whenever I'm out doing roofing or I'm working on the gutters or I I need to do something, my preference would be to have a ladder, right? Now, could a chair do the job? Sure, a chair could do the job. Is the chair designed to do the job? No, it was not. It's not oppressive to say when you're going to high places on a building, a ladder is the ideal thing you should use. I think that's what God's design. Like God is designed to say, when we are developing elders, it is ideal to have men in that role. Could women step in in some cases and do it? Sure, they could. Are there women that have the requisite skill set? Yes. Are those women ultimately designed to do that? I think the scripture tells us no. So why why do I believe this? I know you're asking, why does Kenny embrace this? Well, there's a couple passages of scripture that I want to take us to. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is writing to, to one of his protégés, Timothy, um, and kind of reminding him on how to lead the church. That, that's the primary purpose for, for this letter that, that Paul writes to, to Timothy and encourages him with a variety of things. And one of the things he, he, that he says to Timothy is the reminder that, we, that he should let women learn quietly with all submissiveness. Now, side note, in the first century, Many women were not even allowed to learn. And so when when Paul tells Timothy, let the women learn, this would have been a revolutionary idea, right? That the women of the first century would not have gotten mad that they were expected to be submissive. They would have been excited about the fact that they're allowed to learn. Now, obviously, we live in a very different culture today in a lot of ways, but that's important to note that that might have been, in a lot of ways, the, the emotional reaction to a lot of the women who, have re- who would, have, would have read this or heard this read to them in the public uh, in the public service when Paul writes this letter to Timothy. So he says, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And then he explains the reason why. Paul says, for Adam was formed for, formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but uh, but woman uh, was deceived and became a transgressor, and she will be saved through child rearing. So, so basically, I'm not going to go into all the details of this passage. Feel free to go back and read it. I would highly encourage you. Go back and read First Timothy 2. But it, in essence, Paul is saying to Timothy, 
I don't permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. And then in the very next chapter, he goes right into the qualifications of the overseer, the elder, the pastor. So those all words are used synonymously throughout the New Testament. And so it's it's in essence, it's within the it's within the context of the local church. Uh, that is, this is why I don't, I don't think that this applies to the business world or to politics. People, some people will say women shouldn't have authority over men. They shouldn't be allowed to be political leaders. Or they shouldn't be allowed to um, have leadership in business. And that, that's not that's not accurate. Paul is specifically speaking to within the context of the church, and he goes right into the office of elder. And he talks about uh, the responsibilities and the qualifications of an elder. He talks about the characteristics an elder ought to have. So it's it's within context of the local church, within, within the context of the office of elder, in which he is making this statement uh, about not allowing women to step into this role. And so Paul is making it clear, hey, I have reserved this role for men. And I believe that this is uh, ought to be reserved for men because it goes back to the natural order of things. Uh, you know, Paul goes back and refers to the first few chapters of Genesis. Side note: Courtney Rysick did this quite a bit in my interview with her in episode one seventy two. So uh, yet another plug for that episode. Encourage you to go check out uh, check that episode out and listen to that interview. As I read the Apostle Paul's words here in 1 Timothy 2, and as then I, I go back and, and read through Genesis, the first three chapters, and I see that God created Adam and then created Eve. And, and God says in Genesis that he created Eve to be a helpmate to Adam. Like he, that Adam has, a, has a, a, a calling and that he created Eve to come alongside of him and to complement him so they could work together to accomplish that thing. Uh, as I look at Paul's words and the book of Genesis, it becomes clear to me that God has set forth a moral inclination for men to be the ones to lead. And this is why Paul said, hey, I don't permit a woman to step into this role because God has reserved that for men. Now, there are some people that would say, well, that was that's a product of the fall. I remember having a conversation with a woman about this. She was angry at me and frustrated with the conversation. And, and rightfully, I mean, I understand why, why I should be upset in some ways. And so she she said to me, well, men and women were equal, and then after the fall of man, you know, man became domineering over women, and basically it was a product of sin. Because of the cross, God is now redeeming that. And so basically, the idea that men would lord over women or that men would have authority over women was something that happened after the fall, and we're trying to we're trying to go back to the Garden of Eden, right? So why do you keep trying to enforce the consequences of sin upon women? And I thought to myself, in the moment, I just, okay, well, maybe that's a good answer. I don't know. I'd, and I went back and read this passage later that night, and I thought to myself, wait a minute, that's not accurate at all. It's verse 13 says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Like That's the natural order. And Courtney Rice said, talked about this quite a bit perfectly in the episode. Like, the natural order was that God created Adam, and that from Adam's side, he pulled out a rib. God pulled out a, 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 Adam's rib, and he used that to create woman. Paul is making no mention here, no implication, no illusions whatsoever to the fall of mankind. You know, he is alluding to a, a, a season of human history before the fall. And he is saying, listen, I believe that God's desire is for men to fulfill this role. I do not permit women to step into this role because Adam was created first. He, he is using the natural order or the creation of, of the genders as the way to justify his position. And that happened before the fall of mankind. Male authority is not a result of sin. 
male authority is a result of God's preferences and God's moral inclination. That is the argument that Paul is making here in 1 Timothy 2. I would highly, highly encourage you to go back and read that and study it for yourself. And then go back and read chapters, uh, the first two chapters of Genesis. And it becomes obvious to me as I read through the first two chapters of Genesis and then I read Paul's words here in 1 Timothy 2, it becomes clear to me that God has created men to, to serve the church and serve their families by leading and has created women to come alongside those men and to compliment them as they serve the church and serve their households, as they lead the church and lead their households. As I read the passages of Scripture, again, the first two chapters of Genesis and then Paul's words here in 1 Timothy 2, it becomes, really it becomes abundantly clear to me that God's moral inclination and desire ultimately is for men to step up and to fulfill the ultimate roles of leadership within the church and the home. Now, later in this passage in 1 Timothy 3, we see where Paul talks about deacons, those people who are serving within the church in, in different leadership roles and serving in a variety of different functions. And he talks about the qualifications of the deacons. And we see in those verses that women are invited into that uh, in, in, a, in a profound way. And it's awesome. Remember, when I say that elders should be male only, I am not saying that leaders should be male only. That's an important distinction, right? Again, elders are male only, but elders aren't the only leaders. There is a whole collection of leaders that should be serving the church and leading within the church context and doing a bunch of different things within the body of Christ. Women should have significant roles to play in leading the church, in helping to shape and influence the church in a variety of ways. And in future episodes, I promise, we're going to talk quite a bit about deacons and really really what the role of a deacon is and how a deacon can really serve the church and help you know the overall leadership structure uh, of the church. And women are invited to play the role of deacon. They're, they're invited into that as we see in 1 Timothy 3 as well as other places of the scripture. And in future episodes when we tackle that, we'll talk quite a bit about the many opportunities that women have to lead and to flourish within church leadership. Uh, however, with all that said, we, we believe, or I believe, that the scripture tells us that the role of elder is reserved for men only. And not just any man, but men that have demonstrated strong biblical character, integrity, and the ability to, to teach the scriptures well. Men that you know fall into those categories are the men that are invited to serve the church by leading from the office of elder. Okay, now that you've listened to everything I have to say, feel free to shoot me an email if you have any follow-up questions or anything you want me to do an episode on to kind of clarify. Or if you just want to send me some hate mail, that's cool too. Uh, I'm glad to receive that. The email address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Also, I promise that I will tackle the question of when women are allowed to speak and preach. I do believe that there are moments within the life of a church and that there are forums within the life of a church where it is appropriate to have a woman uh, publicly praying, leading the church in prayer, uh, and even doing some forms of preaching and speaking. I think no doubt there are moments, and I'm going to do a whole episode talking just about that. Um, quick teaser, in, in 1 Corinthians, there is this, this kind of implication and expectation that women will be prophesying to the church or leading the church in prayer. I'm going to cover that in depth in a future episode. I absolutely promise we will do that. 
Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Again, if you have any questions, shoot me an email. If you want to connect with me personally, the best place to do that is on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.